You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, June 3rd, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Matt Baxendale. We are going deep on Ohio State football today. Bax and I are going to take a close look at the position groups for the Buckeyes this year that we are most curious about, and we will give our predicted two deep for each position group that we talk about. Bax, what position group are you most curious about? Well, I think the one that is the most uncertainty at this point is either defensive back or running back, right? Uh, I think those are the ones that are the most up in the air. Uh, like, for example, who's going to be the starting safety? Like, good luck guessing that this year. We only played really one true safety last year in Jordan Fuller. So I think those are the groups that are going to have the most intrigue this year, for sure, when we finally get the guys back on the field and in camp. Yeah, and let's start with, when you look at the DBs, let's start with safety. I, I do think that Marcus Hooker, from everything I've been told, is kind of the leader in the clubhouse to be one of the starting safeties. And we'll see if they just go with one safety one high safety like they did last year, or if they will go with two safeties this year. Let's assume they go with two, just for the sake of argument. And I'll say this, Sean Wade's going to be like a rover back. He's going to be playing some outside corner, inside corner. They'll probably move him back as kind of a pseudo safety. So Sean Wade's going to be all over the field. But let's give our two deep at safety, presuming they have two safeties that will start. I think it's going to be Marcus Hooker will be the number one in line, and then I'll go Josh Proctor if they start two safeties. And after that, man, it's tough sledding. I mean, I, I think Bryson Shaw is in there. I don't even know who maybe the fourth would be. Maybe a Court Williams as a true freshman. I mean, the, the depth at safety is, has just been decimated due to they haven't taken a lot of safeties in recruiting the last couple of years, a couple of guys getting kicked off the team, obviously losing Jordan Fuller. What do you think the two deep will be at safety, presuming there are two starting safeties? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because, first of all, if Marcus Hooker is anywhere near as good as his brother was, uh, we're going to be beyond happy. Uh, but that's an incredible, ridiculous standard because, Malik Hooker's one year as the starting safety was maybe the greatest year of safety has ever played at Ohio State. And by maybe, I mean almost certainly. Uh, that year was – like Malik Hooker's one year in college starting was, to me, one of the most pinnacle level years I've ever seen. But that was an incredible secondary, by the way. That was like the same year that Marshawn Latimer only played his one full year of health. And he ended up, of course, going to the NFL and being the highest-rated cornerback in the NFL as a rookie. So – there's a lot to live up when we talk about Malik Hooker in any way, shape, or form in college. Um, I'm interested to see how Proctor turns out, though, because this is a kid who multiple coaching staffs have looked at and said, we think he has all the tools to be a star. We have all the tools to be a star. All the tools to be a star. Well, then what's holding him back, right? Like, when we get to campus, this is his shot to be the star. Either that or he's going to get passed up in the depth chart. Uh, I have to think Proctor's going to be on the field this year. I also agree with you. I think they're going to see more of them playing the too high safety look versus what they did last year. I mean, let's face it. You had three first-round corners last year. You had to keep them on the field. Uh, the, because, of course, Sean Wade's going to be a first-rounder next year, and we saw how Damon Arnett and Jeff Okuda went this year. So I, I have to think they're going to see a little bit more of a traditional look. 
with with two safeties. But on the flip side, I mean, outside of Hooker and Proctor, you're right. Bryson Shaw is the next one on the line. You could see a guy, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe if Eric Johnson might end up going back towards the safety position. He was a guy who in, in recruiting was considered to be a safety. We've talked about him as a corner, not as a safety, right? Uh, you talked about the guys that have sort of been thrown off the team for some terrible stuff whose names we're not going to mention. And then on the flip side, what happens to a guy like, say, like a Marcus Williamson who hasn't really made an impact yet? Could he have some sort of an impact like a guy like – remember Kurt Coleman came to Ohio State and he was supposed to be a cornerback? He ended up being a really awesome safety for the Buckeyes and later on in the NFL. You could see a guy a situation like that as well. So, yeah, I, I have to agree that Proctor and, uh, and Hooker are atop the depth chart, but this is a big unknown, and not having spring football makes it an even bigger unknown. Let's look at corner, then we'll move on to running back. Corner, because I, I, mean, I, I just jotted down my notes here, like the most interesting, one safety, two corner, three running back. You went DB and running back, so pretty much the same thing. Let's look at corner, do a deep dive on that. I mean, obviously, the top three corners are set in stone. Sean Wade is, you know, he, he's the guy. He's the Thorpe Award candidate. He's the first-round draft pick candidate. And it's, you know, it, it's just awesome that he came back. Ohio State was on the verge of losing all four of their starting DBs last year. And, and if I had to bet at the time, I, I would have told you that Sean Wade would have turned pro. So I'm thrilled that he's coming back. And, you know, you talk to anybody over there at the WAC, players, coaches, anybody, sources, Seven Banks is a player that's in for a big year this year as a junior. They also like Cam Brown a lot as a junior. So those are your top three. Those guys are etched in stone from what I've been told. Backs, who do you think will be – who will round out the depth chart there, the two deep? Do you think it will be Tyreek Johnson, as you mentioned? Uh, if he doesn't move to safety, you think it might be Marcus Williamson, maybe one of the younger guys? Who do you think is going to round out the two deep at corner? Yeah, well, this is one where, uh, you know, you you have to think that absolutely it's going to be Banks and Wade as the top two. And Cam Brown is loved by the staff. You've heard nothing but good things about him. So even if we haven't seen a lot on the field from him, they're going to certainly give him more of a position of trust going into the season when there's no camp for anybody to try to even keep up with them. So those three are, like you said, they're kind of the three that, to me, are going to get most of the run. That's when I talked about DB. I mean, I really meant safety because I think those three are pretty clear. It's going to be – the second tier of kids that's going to make it interesting. And the only way it gets interesting is that if Tyreek Johnson and Marcus Williamson push their way up into that grouping, um, or otherwise they're going to end up at, at the safety position. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I, I'm curious to see how Ohio State handles some of the younger guys. Because there's a lot to be said about um, some of these young kids having the opportunity to come in and compete, right? And when you're talking about, like, so when you're talking about some of these, these younger kids coming in and competing, they usually enroll early, right? They get on campus early. They, they make a big step forward in terms of how ready they are to play by getting there in January. And those kids didn't get that opportunity this year. And that's going to really change things. The flip side of that is, who was the number one rated corner in Ohio State's class last year? Well, it was Clark Phillips. Remember him? And a keyword is, was because he decommitted and of all places went to Utah. And that to me is something that also affects Ohio State. You don't have this ridiculous top 50 player coming in like you would have with, with Clark Phillips. And so if you look at the guys that Ohio State brought in a corner last year, they didn't really bring in any super duper highly rated player. Their most highly rated defensive back last year in their class was Ryan Watts, right? Or Leon Cavallos, right? 
those guys were up there, right? Uh, you had Lathan Ransom who came in. He was, he was up there as well. But he's more of a guy who's going to be one of the young guys who's going to compete at safety. So the bottom line is you don't really have these guys who have had the opportunity in spring ball to force their way up, nor do you have a can't-miss, without-question guy who's going to be immediately on the field and ready to play as a freshman. Like, hopefully these guys turn out that way. That'd be amazing. But you have to have time to really force your way into a role, especially at a position like corner where there's three guys who are clearly going to be on the field no matter what right now. Let's get into running back now. <laughs> the top three guys probably on both of our depth charts at running back are all coming back from relatively serious injuries, and in some cases various serious injuries, with Trey Sermon, the transfer from Oklahoma, coming off a torn LCL. Thank goodness it's not a torn ACL without going into too many specifics. It's just better that it's an LCL, not an ACL. It's more like a two- to three-month process instead of a nine-month recovery. So let's just say for the sake of argument, all three of these guys are going to be healthy. Talking about Trey Sermon, Master T's coming off a partially torn Achilles. Marcus Crowley's coming off a torn ACL, suffered on the same day that Trey Sermon suffered his torn LCL. And Steel Chambers is healthy, and Mayan Williams is healthy. Mayan Williams will be a true freshman. What is your depth chart at running back, Bax? Well, I think even fully healthy, Trey Sermon's going to have the nod right now because he has more of a resume. Uh, he, he's done more in big-time games than any of these other guys. And that's not to take away from Master Teague, who uh, beyond the maturity and just really excellent humanity he showed this past week in handling all the things going on in the world on his Twitter account makes me want to root for him. Um, he also has you know, gone out last year and was a top-ten runner in the Big Ten in terms of rush yards. So it's not like he, he's just chopped meat, right? He's a guy who every time he got the ball, I was like, oh, here comes the downhill train. But I really think Sermon came to Ohio State with the understanding he's going to be the top guy or he's going to split with somebody else. I don't think it's going to be a, a three-headed monster where nobody really gets extra carries and they ride the hot hand. I think the thought process is going to be Sermon and Teague. Uh, that said, I think Crowley is a guy who you can't ignore, right? He was a guy who showed certainly some ability to – move the pile to run with power. I really liked him whenever I saw him last year before he was injured. Uh, but I, I think it's going to end up being Sermon as the top guy. And I th the other thing is, is that Sermon had the least uh, damaging of the injuries with the most time to recover for it, if you will. So it gives him the strongest opportunity of being the first guy able to go. So you have to hope they can all recover in time for the season because Let's face it, when all of your running backs are coming off of serious lower body injuries, there is always a chance for a recurrence. There's always a chance the guy's maybe not in the same condition he would be in with an otherwise healthy offseason, especially in the situation we're in where are the rehabs still on the same timetable? Have they been able to train with weights to rebuild their body the way they need to? We don't honestly know that, right? So hopefully all three get back healthy because I think you're going to need that depth. But I think those are the three that are going to be the ones who make a real difference, especially without a spring training. Last thing on the show here, we have a question from a longtime listener. Walt Sears sent me a private message, and I really like this question. Bax, you can give your take first, and I'll give my take. Walt Sears asks, universities are going to be concerned about liability as far as coronavirus if there's going to be fans in the stands for college football this season. Do you guys think that fans will have to sign waivers to attend college football games? What do you think, Bax? Well, they won't be getting everybody to sign one at the door or something like that. 
but I think that it, by using a ticket, it's probably going to have some sort of disclaimer on it, right? Where it says, you know, this ticket is for the game and any, it's like one of those, it's like those signs you see at the hockey game, right? Beware of objects into the crowd. You know, baseball stadiums, you beware of batted balls into the stands. I think it's going to apply. Beware the health risks in, in, in regarding events. Ohio State will not be held liable. I think it's going to be treated like that. I don't think they'll make you sign anything at the door, though. I think if you're holding a scanned ticket, you're already submitting yourself to that, sort of like you do uh, going to a baseball game and understanding there's going to be foul balls, right? You go to an Ohio State game, you understand there's going to be a lot of people around you. Uh, that that may or may not ha- have the coronavirus, or may may or may not be contagious. That's, or, but that's the truth with anything. I mean, you can easily get the flu in these sort of settings too, especially when the weather gets bad again. So, I I think it's just going to be a part of the general hazard liability that the schools try to declare themselves, and and all pro sports teams really, are, and concert venues are going to declare themselves not liable for. They can't control what individuals do when they enter the venue. They, they just simply say, you have to follow our rules while you're here. And whether those rules are going to be that they're social distancing or not during football season, we don't know. Let's face it, America's not exactly distancing itself socially in the streets right now. So who knows if that's going to carry through into the fall. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to be like your general liability going to a sporting event, right? Like the, the, if, if the – like a, a beam falls from the ceiling on you, then yeah, you're liable because the stadium wasn't built right. But if there's a baseball, it's a foul ball that hits you in the head because you're not paying attention. You're busy eating a hot dog and, you know, talking to the person next to you, then the team's not liable for that. Cause you have to be aware of batted balls in the stands. I think it's going to be just the same situation with coronavirus. At least that's how they're going to try to present it. Now, if somebody gets COVID and gets sick at a sporting event, they may try to force a lawsuit, but I don't see it holding much merit, especially if they put warning signs up, you may see sanitation stations at every entrance. Like Ohio State may go through, you know, a Scrooge McDuck vault of uh, sanitation, <laughs> like 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 sanitary hand lotion or something every game. You may see things like that, but I, I cannot fathom them making 100,000 people all sign a waiver on their way into the building that they won't sue Ohio State if they come down with coronavirus. You'd have people in line for three hours. My answer to the question is yes. And backs. I think is correct. I don't think putting pen to paper with everybody entering the stadium would be the solution. I think it might be something where, you know, cause I don't think we're going to have a hundred thousand fans in the horseshoe. I think it might be, you know, at best, maybe half that. And we we've, as we reported on Bucknuts yesterday, we've received some good news from sources within the ticket office at Ohio state that they are planning for 50,000 fans. That being the maximum this season, will that be the maximum when the season starts? We'll see, but, Let's just go with that. It's going to be 50,000 people, I think. So obviously they're going to have to, you know, it's going to be season ticket holders and season ticket holders might get only half of the season. Students are season ticket holders. They might only get half of the season. But whatever those advanced tickets are sold, I think there can be something in place where you quote unquote sign some type of waiver, probably electronically, probably going to be ticketless entry where you have it on your phone or something else where um, there's not necessarily somebody there checking you in maybe kind of like getting on a subway so to speak or you know where it's you know you just have to kind of have the barcode or whatever you need to to get in without somebody actually you know the hand-to-hand situation where you're handing your ticket to somebody so I think there's going to be something in place to answer the question Walt where there will be some type of waiver signed by the public who are attending these games if I had to guess 
Maybe not. Maybe Bax is right where it's just going to be like baseball and NHL where that doesn't really happen, where it's just like, listen, this is the way it is. It says on the ticket, you assume all responsibility for anything that happens, including, you know, batted balls in the stands or getting a virus that could be very deadly to you. So maybe there, it'll just be written on the back of the ticket or whatever, and that'll be that. But I tend to think there's going to be some type of waiver. And here's another reason why. I've been told Ohio State's players are going to sign waivers to remove the university from any liability if any of them would come down with the coronavirus. And they're all in unison saying they're willing to do it. They're not doing this against their will. They're all like, we just want to get back. We'll, <laughs> we'll happily do that. So the players are going to have to sign waivers to play, releasing the university from liability. If I'm sitting here right now, and I am, I'm sitting, I'm not standing, I do think that the ticket holders and anybody entering Ohio Stadium will have to sign some type of waiver, including media, like myself. I think we're going to have to sign some type of waiver. And who knows if media will even be allowed in this year. I think they'll probably have some media there, but just extreme social distancing in the press box. We'll see what happens. But I do think we're all going to have to sign some type of waiver to get into Ohio Stadium and college football stadiums in general this year. All right, great discussion. Talked a lot of Ohio State football. Answered Walt Sears' great question. Really appreciate Matt Baxendell for dropping by as usual. You can catch his award-winning column every Sunday on Bucknuts. It is the bucket. And I thank all the listeners out there for tuning into the show. Thank you very much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's try that Buckeye swag. Best damn band in the land.